Welcome to Invest Stories, a podcast about real stories, real estate, and taking real action. Join hosts John Cooper and Kyle Robertson as they talk investing, mindset, and taking that first step. We all have a story. What's yours? The Invest Stories Podcast. Booyah. 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 Hey, Kyle, how are you? Great, John. Wait, how I didn't you? do the Welcome to Investories podcast. Oh, well, let's back up. Go ahead. Welcome to the Investories podcast. <laughs> I'm John Hooper, your host, and with me is... Kyle Robertson. Kyle. Yeah. Kyle, you were out last week. I was. Yeah, yeah, we were, yeah, out. Where were we you? We went down to Mexico. Yeah, we went to Mexico, took the kids out of the country for the very first for their very first time. And uh, that was a blast. We took You're a cruise. You were on your yacht, right? We were, yeah, yeah, my yacht. Yeah, it's, I told the kids, because we got to see a lot of yachts on this cruise, I told them, mine's on order, be here in about 30 years, but uh, there's some super fancy, nice stuff at some of these ports. It was cool to watch. Yeah, that's where, I, who knows where that money comes from? Let's not speculate. <laughs> right. We thought they were all, uh, you know, Russian oligarchs over here. That's where they're hiding out. Trying to hide their Mexico. boats somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah right. Uh, so today on the pod, we've got uh, Karen Hall. Uh, who is uh, the founder of Udirect IRA. Uh, it's a bit of a different episode today. Uh, we're going to talk all about retirement. Who doesn't want to retire? Kyle's already retired, so that's good. Yeah, right. Um, but really about the, the self-directed IRA product, which is all about um, controlling, not just throwing your money in the stock market with the 401k kind of product, but being able to invest in all sorts of things uh, from real estate to crypto, um, so I have a, I have one of those accounts and it's, it's super interesting and kind of gets you thinking and um, challenges you to kind of make your money work for you rather than just kind of sat on it and hoping the market does its thing, which is kind of cool. Yeah, super cool. And so I am not a, a retirement account guy, um, but like probably most people listening to this, I still fall into that category because I have one from a W-2 that I previously used to work at and I... I am a, a real estate investor by trade now, but I still have that account. I never cashed it out. And so although I wouldn't go out and open my own, I learned a lot of things today about Roth IRAs or self-directed IRAs that could be super beneficial for people like me and for people, you know, other listeners who are like, yeah, I don't want to go open a retire. I'm 40 years old, but hey, you know, if you've had this account sitting by, this would be a really good option mm-hmm. for a conversion pay the taxes now so that all the money after that, you know, if whenever you pull out your Roth, say in 30, 40 years, you don't have taxes on it anymore, which is, could be super beneficial. So uh, lots of really good stuff that Karin told us about today. Yeah. A lot of techniques and tactics that you can kind of use from, from early on and figuring out how to get your, get your money working for you, which is always a good thing. Before we jump into the episode, I did want to say, Hey, give us a five star review on wherever you're listening to this. Um, and if you're watching it on YouTube, poor you, um, seeing our faces. <laughs> but if you are, you know, please do like, subscribe, um, share, whatever. Uh, it all helps us. And uh, why not connect with us on Instagram, Investories Pod? Uh, and if you have any questions or suggested guests, or, or you're a guest that wants to come on, uh, reach out to us and come say hi. And uh, yeah, we'll get you on and hang out and uh, have hopefully have some, maybe have some fun, Carl. Who knows? Always, always have some fun. Yeah. Excellent. There we go. Well, without further ado, here's Kyle. Welcome to Investories, Karen Hall, right? I said your name right. Yes, you did. I Yeah, because you prepped me before. We go through <laughs> this every week, right? Sounds Kyle? better in British. I like it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, maybe I can. I, I feel like I can coast by on most, most people's names. Usually it's the second name. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a... It's a constant source of Kyle's amusement, right? Is how uh, how I pronounce people's names. I almost I'm almost starting, you know, expecting you to start telling people no, no. I'm doing it right. You're pronouncing yeah. it wrong, Karen. Let Karen. me tell you. you know, yeah, I'll tell you how to pronounce your name. Karen, welcome, welcome to the pod. Uh, great to have you on. You're based in Irvine, right? Right, Irvine, California, Orange County. Sunny Irvine. Yes, I'm not an Orange County housewife though. <laughs> Quite quite far from it, right? Yeah, Karen owns uh, Udirect IRA, IRA. I've now learned is the correct way to say that, even though I have my own uh, self-directed IRA. Can you give us the the kind of brief of of 
what that is, what your company does, what a self-directed IRA is? I sure will. I mean, first off, I think we can go back to, I know, go back a few years and just think about retirement in general. So before the industrial revolution, how do people retire? You just had a farm or you did something, you know, you had a craft or something and you, you just did this this way. But when industrial revolution, now people are in, you know, condos and we, you know, housing and everything changed and, and our whole lives changed. And so you had to start saving. And then really the way that we were saving wasn't sufficient because uh, social security came around and the government realized, Hey, this isn't good enough. <laughs> a, a lot of the, a, a great majority of our national budget goes toward entitlements like social security. And so in the government's best interest, it's like, we can't, you know, or in the people's best interest, I hope is that we can't really you know, carry everyone into retirement, especially now with the silver tsunami we've got going on. So we need to create something, a vehicle. So it was 1975, this act called the ERISA Act, the Employment Retirement Income Security Act was passed. Gerald Ford signed it into effect. It tells you how old it was, right? And that created IRAs. So IRAs, Individual Retirement Arrangements, so it's an acronym, you know, have been around since 1975. And ever since that day, you've been able to invest really in anything, you know, except life insurance contracts and collectibles. But what happened is that Wall Street kind of got a hold of it and said, okay, invest in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds using this vehicle. And a lot of people did not realize that you could invest in alternative assets. And a lot of people who sell you stocks, bonds, and mutual funds cannot recommend that you invest in alternative assets because of their licensing, you know, their reg, there's, you know, uh, seven or six or 63 licenses. Don't let them do it. So the alternative asset space for IRAs is the self-directed space. And we, this industry has been around, I don't know, well, you know, really just a little bit after 1975. And there are some of the older companies that are around um, that, that started in the early days. And UDirect started 15 years ago about, I know here, here in Irvine. So a self-directed IRA is an IRA that lets you invest outside of Wall Street into assets like real estate, which includes, you know, uh, you know multifamily and, and includes self-storage, single family homes, duplexes, everything real estate related, raw land, and even lets you be the bank and take your retirement and lend it to people so they can buy real estate. Uh, and there are a lot of other things too, but in a nutshell, that's what a self-directed IRA is. A regular, an IRA is an IRA, but it's the kind that lets you invest in alternative assets. Outstanding. Thank you for that, that, uh, that wonderful definition. I mean, that clears up a lot of things. Uh, I do want to take a step back just for a second because I know that our listeners are going to want to get to know you a little bit. And do you invest? I do. As far as real estate or stocks or whatever, what, what, what exactly do you like to invest in? And, and do you utilize what you sell with the U-Direct. I do. I do. And, and in fact, I was just having this conversation before, before our call here and, and that is talking about like retirement. We can start there and, and I'll talk about investing too. But when you think about retirement, like how are you going to get there? Right. And so you have to, you really have to invest and you have to build up these layers. You know, I guess you call it, you could call it a capital stack for your future. And the layers consist of a lot of different things, a lot of different investing. So You've got social security for your retirement. That's a first layer, I suppose. Maybe your personal savings on top of that. And on maybe some whole life insurance with cash value, maybe some annuities on top of that. And then you've got your retirement, the, the your 401k, 403b, 457, your IRA, that retirement savings, it's got tax protection. And then on top of that is your alternative assets. Like if, if you've got rental properties, uh, you've invested in private equity, you know, you've invested in these different asset classes. So one of the things you want to do to be able to retire is to think about, hey, how am I going to stack this? How am I going to have multiple streams of income when I'm not working anymore? And self-directed IRAs are, are the answer to that. So there's that much. But like, you know, the other question, what do I invest in? My background, um, after, after I was a radio announcer for 17 years, I made the logical transition into real estate. Um, I worked as a property manager, got a real estate license, and then went into mortgage loan servicing for a number of years. And while well, I had kids and I was raising kids and then even loan origination for a number of years as well until the great recession. And then during at that time, 
you know, so you weren't going to be making any mortgages, you know, in, in 2007, right? And so I wasn't doing that. Um, but I, I, like I have to find something else, another vehicle for, for my skills. And I got hired by a self-directed IRA company. And I worked for them for a couple of years and learned it. And then in 2009, I went out on my own and started to direct IRA services. So I'm kind of still bypassing the investing question. <laughs> but uh, do you, if you want me to, I'll still hit that if you want. Yeah, if you don't mind just mm -hmm. sharing um, what types of investments it is that, that you like to invest in. Are, are you still in investing in real estate or are you primarily just in IRAs? Well, I understand an IRA isn't an investment. An IRA is a bucket that holds assets. So it's like, like what do you put in the bucket? But yeah, absolutely. Real estate all the way. I mean, in various forms. Um, I'll lend money. I, obviously, being the CEO of a self-directed IRA company, I know a lot of people raising capital, Right. So, and some of them are my friends. I know who some good, you know, good and bad players are. So I'll pick out a few of them and, and I've made loans to people who are uh, maybe, I, well, my favorite thing is the forced equity of tearing down a property and a single family and turning it into a fourplex. And you've got forced equity, even in a rising market. And so I've, I've made some loans to um, those kinds of assets. I've invested in private equity. You probably have a dozen of these you know, alternative, alternative real estate investments around either debt or equity. In terms of, so that that's super interesting and what you've touched upon, and this is probably my, my question and, and you may, I may, I may preempt it with my answer um, that I'm, I'm going to give, which is the one thing I found was I'd, I'd finished a job and I had my 401k from that job and I wasn't sure what to do with the money and all I could see was stocks and micro movements up and then crashes down and then up and down. I was like I don't really know what I'm doing I don't really know if this is good and if it's effectively working and that's why I took my um, previous 401k into a self-directed IRA for the for the view of and I invest in um, in ground up builds in the UK oh, wow. and get a pretty good return on it um, is, was that kind of where your interest peaked was having that control um, or, or kind of what was the driver into that, that kind of space? Well, the driver was, it was, it was just where life was leading me into, into real estate as a way, because like so many other people, you see, you can really build wealth in real estate. I think, I think that's one of the reasons. Um, but also too, I, I like hard assets. I like assets that you can touch and feel and something where you can hit, where you've got more control over it. And so I think real estate's the best thing. And also there's, it's such a win-win situation when you take your retirement and you invest, say, in a property and rehab it. So what you've done is improved a property, which then improves a neighborhood and it gives somebody a nice place to live. And then it throws rent, hopefully like in a scenario, could throw rent back to your IRA. So everyone's winning here. Better neighborhood, nice place for people to live, rent coming back in your IRA, and no one loses in that situation. Plus, all the people you hired to do the renovation, they had a job. So a self-directed IRA is a very powerful vehicle in the sense that it can it does good things for you know so many different layers of, uh, of interests. And uh, one thing I haven't heard you say so far is that word Roth. Or is, uh, is this, are we talking about Roth self-directed IRAs or is that a completely different vehicle? And do you guys uh, do you guys also participate in those? Yeah, well, so the IRA, the individual retirement arrangements, it, it's so many different things. It's a traditional IRA, a Roth IRA, SEP. That's an acronym for Simplified Employee Pension for someone self-employed. A simple, and if the government calls it simple, you know, it's not, right? <laughs> it's a savings incentive match plan for employees. It's not as popular because it doesn't have as much benefit as the SEP, but it still exists. And then there's also a solo 401k for um, entrepreneurs who don't have any any uh, full-time employees in any of the companies they own. So these are some of the different accounts that can be self-directed and absolutely Roth, yes, with tax-free earnings. You know, who doesn't want tax-free earnings? Yeah, and that was kind of what I was leading to was the the because you, you fund a Roth with post-tax. Is that right? Is that what I'm saying? Yeah, well, you've already been taxed on it. Yeah, after, after tax. After tax proceeds. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you're funding Roths with after-tax proceeds. You know, this is something I've, I've had a lot of conversations with. So what is more beneficial? Do you let this thing grow for, you know, before you pay taxes for such a long period of time and then you get taxed at the end? Or do you just pay the taxes now and, and let this thing grow exponentially? 
you know, compounding interest and all that good stuff. Do you have any thoughts on that? Which direction is best for somebody? I do. I, I think that when you start saving your retirement, it ends up being pre-tax a lot of the time because you probably start retirement savings in a traditional IRA. You can start in a Roth too. That would be great. But you may start at your business and your business probably has a pre-tax account like a 401k, 403b. And in recent years, the Roth component has been added to those employer plans, but that's usually where you start off. So people will start off with pre-tax retirement savings. And then the question is, do I want to convert to Roth? And so if you're going to change pre-tax and after-tax, you get taxed on those. You, you convert 100000 from your pre-tax account to Roth where you're going to pay income tax on that $100,000. Converting is something people like to do when they've had a loss that year. And they can mitigate the tax yeah. situation, right? But and, and that, yeah, I was going to touch on that because I, we, I've got you know from a past life, which was W two time. I have a, a handful of retirement accounts that I haven't contributed to in years. There's really no better time than right now. And I don't, I don't know. Maybe it'll continue to go down the market, but um, I've been sitting here talking to people. Should I just do my conversion now because I've got the lowest balance I've had in two years? So what better time to, to pull that massive trigger and, and pay these huge taxes on my balances by converting over to a Roth? And, and is that something that you also tell your clients? Well, I do? don't because I don't give tax advice, but I would talk to your tax person who knows your whole you know, scenario on, and all of your entities that you have and what your goals are and so forth. It's really a tax question. Um, and it's also part of your tax plan. I mean, if you're an investor, it's good to have a plan, you know? It's great to have advisors and you've got to have a plan. So make a, you know, plug the Roth conversion into your plan and see how that comes out for you. In terms of that process of setting up a, a self-directed IRA, and I said IRA, IRA. It's okay, either I'm way. I'm going to get in trouble, right, Karen? No, you're not in trouble. You're only in trouble if you call me Karen. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So in terms of setting that up, well, Kyle's disappeared, so I'm going to get in trouble with Kyle. Um, what, what does that look like from a, a pro? Because I think what would hold a lot of people back, and I'm not sure if, um, you know, Kyle's more in the, in the converting to Roth. But in terms of setting up an account and setting up a self-directed IRA, what does that process look like? It's super easy. The whole process is, is really a three-step process to open an account which is to complete a form and provide us your ID. We have a $50 set of fee. You know, pretty simple, really, really simple to open an account. Um, 24 hours, your account's open. You have access to our, our business platform and, you know, a, a nice platform where you can see things, you know, what's going on, what's coming in, what's going out. That's easy. The second step is to fund it. So either you're going to roll over a previous employer plan. That's called a rollover. It's a different process or you may transfer an IRA that you have already to, you know, to, to us. And understand that if you're going from custodian to custodian, in a rollover, custodian to custodian, in a transfer, it's not taxable to you. It would only be taxable if it came to you when in your account first, then you'd have 60 days to get it back into a retirement account. So that's not taxable. But the other way to fund an account is to contribute. And that's based upon your age and your account type and your income, actually. Because, like, you could make too much to contribute to a Roth. And that's why they came up with the backdoor Roth, you know, so you could convert and get in through the back door. So you, We're going to definitely dive into that. Yeah, so you open it, you fund it, and then you invest. You know, what do you want to invest in? We look at the documentation. You give us the – we call it the supporting documentation. It's the, you know, it's the agreement, the contract. I make sure it's – vested in the name of the IRA and so forth and get it all queued up. So when the money hits, we can fund it. And now your IRA is self-directed. And then all the proceeds for that asset go back to the IRA that owns the asset, go back to the self-directed IRA, not to your personal checking account ever, <laughs> you know, not to a different IRA ever. And then if that asset ever has any expenses, like what we're seeing now with private equity is, is capital costs because the interest rates have gone up unexpectedly. And so capital is needed. So if you need like a capital call, you need to leave a reserve in your IRA, a reserve of idle cash, super important, so that you've got money to cover expenses like that. And those have to be paid for by the IRA. 
So I really want to dig into the real estate piece of, of using your IRA to um, invest. Before we do that, what can't you invest in? in an IRA. And I know you can't invest in luxury watches or a car. For right. Instance. Oh, well, you know, and it's a pity, right? Because that would be great. But, uh, you know, or you can't invest in a fine wine collection either because those turned into bottle collections, <laughs> you know? So the IRS said you can invest in life insurance contracts and collectibles, just two things that you can't invest in, but there's wisdom in that. Um, it's in those two things. It covers a lot of ground. And you, you mentioned a little bit ago that there is a, a maximum amount based on age. And, and also, if you're you know a certain age, you're not even eligible to invest in, a, in an IRA any longer. If I, I mean, did you say that? Did I understand, misunderstood when you well, said you that? Well, you know, that used to be true. But at the end okay. of 2022, we had something passed called the Secure Act 2.0, and it eliminated that. Or, or was it secure okay. 2.18? That was eliminated. You can still contribute as long as you have active income. Gotcha. Okay. And and what is the, I know there's a max on annual contributions and I know it's different per age, but do you know what, do you have those statistics? Because I don't. Sure. It's also on our <laughs> website. If you want to go to the letter U, udirectira.com, it's there. But if say you have a traditional IRA or a Roth and you're under 50, you can contribute $6,500 a year. Now, that's if you have a traditional and Roth, it's combined. It's it's all of your Roths and all of your traditional IRAs combined. You can only put $6,500 a year in there. Now, if you're over 50, 50 or over, you get what's called a catch-up contribution. You can catch up as you get closer, and that is presently $1,000, so $7,500. Um, and you know, we may see that change in the future, but that's how it stands today. That's really interesting. And and is that in addition to, say, uh, someone who has a W-2 with a 401k? Is that 6500 on top of the contributions they can make? You can have a 401k where you work and an IRA. You can do both. 401ks are a different kind of account and they have different um, contribution limits. So do SEPs. A 401k from your company, it's, I believe, 21500 is the cap if you're under 50. And then if you have a catch-up contribution, it's 6000 so you can tack that on there. Um, same thing this year in 2023, contribution limits were raised for solo 401ks and SEP IRAs. And it's the lesser of 25% of your income or $66,000. So say you're self-employed and you have a SEP IRA, simplified employee pension, and you make whatever, say $300,000, you can contribute up to $66,000 to your SEP IRA and take a tax deduction. So each one is different. And because when we get down to it, there are complexities. That's why we offer a 20-minute free consultation. Like, tell us about your situation. What are you looking to do? And talk about everybody's individual situation because we can really get in the weeds with details. I think a lot of people like to try to figure out these special ways to take advantage of some of these investment vehicles like a the most common one you already mentioned is the backdoor Roth I've also heard of the mega backdoor Roth uh, which is another one that just continues Sounds There's, interesting. well Peter Peter Thiel I'm not sure he's he famously became a billionaire off of Roth IRAs it's really kind of an interesting story if the listeners have an opportunity to to check it out then then Google Peter Thiel and his Roth IRA escapades um, are there other ways, let's figure out other ways that we can screw what the government tells us we can't do. Um, so, you know, you get the, these annual contributions of a max of so-and-so, but what if we become business owners? Can we then make ourselves employees and open another Roth IRA in our own names? Or is this attached solely to our social security numbers? How, does, right. how, do, they, how do they monitor Wow, that's so inter an interesting way to ask that question. And it's an individual retirement arrangement, so it's really tied to an individual but even but with the, for a traditional and a Roth, with a SEP, it's tied to a sponsoring company, which can be a sole, and same thing with the solo K, it could be a sole proprietor, L, you know, LLC, C Corp, S Corp, what have you. Um, so there are accounts for employers and, and accounts for individuals. Um, you, yes, you can double up and have different, you know, multiple accounts. There's actually no limit to how many accounts you can have. Um, but can you really screw with the IRS? I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I mean, that's not really well, the why sage, not? Like, yeah. <laughs> sage like advice. Well, I mean, if, I, I, that's not what we're here to talk about. And, and 
if you, I just you ask Wesley Snipes, do you want to screw with the IRS? Mm-hmm. Answer right. is no. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The no. world is full of stories of, of people <laughs> who tried and failed. Well, and Peter, right? and, so uh, to, to that point, after it was disclosed that he had invested, I think it was at PayPal or something at the early stages or yeah. something like this. And he became, he had billions in his, in his Roth IRA, tax-free money, crazy. How did he do this? That created a giant and expensive, a deep dive by the government into how did he do it and nice. how many people who have these mega IRAs cheated. And you can cheat in a Roth if you, are, if you falsify uh, the value. And you don't want to do that because then you'll get nabbed because Roth fraud is really on the radar of the, uh, the Department of Treasury mm-hmm. and the IRS. So... I, I, but what they found out, that's the fun thing, that, is that they worked so hard and spent so much money to research these 400 people who had mega, mega IRAs, like 400 people out of the entire United States of America. That's all it was. It was a lot for nothing. Wow. Most of, and they don't think they found any fraud at all. They pretty much all did it legitimately yeah. by the rules, by the book. Yeah, that's what gets me. It's like, leave the people alone. They figured out a good idea. There's only 400 of them. It's not like they're going to break them. I mean, they're investing their own stinking money. Give me yeah, a break. And it's and you they're know? following the rules. So they followed the rules yeah. that, that were created for us. And uh, yeah, you're right. That's pretty much how it went. So it wasn't anybody breaking the rules to get there. So, so speaking of that, one thing I found interesting, and, and as I said, my journey was I saw stocks and not doing anything and not knowing anything about them. I was like, well, I want to invest in something I kind of understand. What's the, what's the mindset of kind of your, your clients and, and kind of how you help coach them in terms of what they're investing in or what they're open to invest in? Because there is that self-ownership piece. Um, the self-directed piece is quite... Uh, something quite to get your head round, I guess, is, is the easiest way to say it. Well, I think that um, the audiences I speak to are usually investor audiences, um, like maybe on Bigger Pockets or, you know, um, various uh, venues like, like this. And, and where I'm already speaking to maybe real estate investors or private equity investors or precious metals investors. And they, they're people who already educated themselves on a certain alternative asset class. And then this is Self-directed IRAs, solo Ks, everything is a way to a raise capital. If you're raising capital for your deals, that's one thing that IRAs do. And the other thing is to build your own retirement. So we want to help people that have some level of education. You don't you don't want to you don't want to experiment with your retirement dollars because they're not easily replaced, right? And so you want to make sure you know what you're doing or that you're working with an asset sponsor who is you know you've vetted them and they're you know, they know what they're doing. They're smart. They're making a return. You talk to their uh, current investors and see, hey, you know, how's it going for you? And you investigate them. You do your due diligence. And, and to that point, one thing I found um, and kind of doing the, the strategy side of things was it doesn't need to be a get rich quick scheme. So I, you know, I, I don't mind a bit of crypto, but I would never do that with my self-directed IRA because I want that what I'd call a, a wave I want it to push forward and grow and I don't want to have these huge drop-offs and just roll the dice on it it's kind of you know it's for 20 years time I don't need to worry about whether it's like going 50% um, today so that that's kind of a, a good rule of thumb I found throughout kind of what what I was looking at too. and I agree because retirement are you ready to retire no I mean look how far retirement is for you in the future and so you've got, you've got a horizon. And so, of course, it's a get-rich-slow kind of scheme, right? But the great thing about self-directed IRAs is you invest and you get proceeds back. Those proceeds are not taxed. And so the proceeds, and uh, including you know, like your capital and the gain, can go out into your next deal. And so you keep you know, snowballing this, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, you hope, because you don't want to face any losses. But if you do, that's going to hurt. But but you keep building and building and building without being taxed. And, and maybe you're taxed at the end in a typical kind of uh, situation or in a Roth situation, it comes out tax-free. But because this is tax-deferred while you've got the money in this tax-protected little bubble here, um, you can really compound. And that's the power uh, of self-directed IRAs and self-directed investing. So... Some of the I don't I'll, I'll just full disclosure I have no Roths I have no self-directed IRAs I don't I don't have any of that stuff so some of my questions are probably going to sound pretty um, entry level 
<laughs> so uh, as far as how this works, let's say somebody say I'm an I'm an employee of somewhere who has a, a, a Roth IRA of two hundred thousand dollars, and I find a real estate deal that I a self-directed IRA that I really want to invest in, and it's it's going to take all two hundred thousand dollars that I have in there and then some. Do I still have the ability to invest in that deal if I can't swing it with just the funds that are inside my IRA? That's a great question. Yeah, there are two ways to do that. One is to partner with someone because you don't want to use every dime of your IRA to invest in an asset you, that you know will have expenses because you need a cushion, right? So I wouldn't just throw it all in there because you're going to hurt yourself, you know, and then you're going to end up having to sell it so, because you can't keep up with the expenses. So the one way to do that is to partner with somebody, have a you know more positive experience that way. Or, and I'm glad you asked because it lets me get into this topic, your IRA can actually borrow money. So part of, like I mentioned, part of my background was mortgage lending. So when I found out that a bank would lend money to an IRA account, I was super surprised about that, you know? So it's called a non-recourse loan. It's a commercial loan and it really, the, you know, they underwrite it based upon the location of the property and its condition, but mostly the cash flow. So they want to see that you have a, like a, a, a rental agreement in place so that they know that property is cash flow. So you could take out a non-recourse loan, but if you do, there's a, there's a catch. And that is a tax, a special tax that could be associated to your IRA due to leverage. So say you don't have enough to take this deal down just with your IRA money, even though you've got 200 grand in there. So maybe it's like a $300,000 property. So you, you borrow 150 or something, you come in with 150 and then you've got a 50% loan to value. That's So now here comes a rent check. Well, 50% of that rent check, your IRA earned because of borrowed money, because of leverage. And that 50% due to leverage is subject to this tax. So again, you wanna begin with the end in mind. You wanna to talk to us before you do this so we can help you plan this out. You can talk to your advisors about what that tax is going to look like. Because even when you do have to pay UDFI tax, you may have write-offs and end up paying no tax at all. You just have to file a Form 990-T. So you, you really want to discuss this with your tax advisor before you go forward with uh, having your IRA borrow money. But you can do it. It's another way to, you know, fulfill that goal of the $200,000 Roth that wants to buy a house. And is there a rule of thumb in terms of those that, that contingency for expenses? 10%, I think, is, is, is moderate. It's not conservative. It's, it's like bare minimum. Yeah, I was going to say. It, it, and it, what, so what happens if there isn't money to cover right. it? Well, uh, a few things. Like One, you can contribute and, and add, you know, make up for the shortfall. You could move money from another retirement account. Maybe you've got another retirement account like in the stock market. You've got market-correlated assets liquidate those and transfer them over to your self-directed IRA to make up the difference. If it's a property, you could take on a lender. You could take on a loan maybe from a friend or something and have them loan your IRA the money maybe in exchange for a piece of the action, like it's some equity. But if you just can't cover the expenses with your IRA, with your IRA reserves, then you really need to sell the asset because you've gotten in over your head. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's kind of one of the things that fills me with terror is like, <laughs> um, not not being too razor thin with the money and, and, and going down that route. And hence why I haven't gone down that route in terms of what you can do with a property. You can't live in it. I know that. Right. Um, is there limitations of, of the kind of function of that property uh, when you go through the self-directed IRA, IRA route? And by the way, I just have to first say that we have no intent of, of striking terror in anyone's heart. <laughs> That's why we, we help people avoid these things, you know. And so we have lots of lots and you know thousands of happy account holders. But um, but your question again is what now? It, it, well, in terms of what you can do with a, um, a property, do with the property within that vehicle, I guess is, is probably the sure. You can't right. live in it. You're not even supposed to stay in there one single day. I mean, technically, it's not like they're police yet monitoring that and yet. yeah <laughs> just you know having fun and so you have no personal use and with your IRA assets it's arm's length so you don't have personal benefit present benefit indirect benefit it's all for later you know IRAs are all for saving for later you also can't offer services to the plan 
So say you, you have this property and it's a rental. What you can do is screen tenants, um, pick up and collect that rent check. You can hire third party vendors, but you will not collect a fee for being the property manager. That would be prohibited. You'd be personally benefiting from your IRA. So you want to steer clear of that. But just with, with any IRA asset, you just want to stay arm's length from it. And then you'll, that's a good rule of thumb. And it gets you know more complicated from there if you, you know, if it, if it does, just take it from there. That's really interesting. Um, is there anything you of sort of trends you've seen that you would or wouldn't invest in um, <laughs> through through self-directed route? Well, I'm not an investment advisor, um, but I did read one time buy low, sell high. You know, I mean, call me a genius, but I, you know, I, I read that. I like and it. And a lot of people. You came up with that I yourself. Did. Yeah, you? thanks. Come on. Yeah, yeah, you're so. welcome. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. big. <laughs> but like, after the recession, we had these properties. You could buy properties on tape. People were buying low. Oh, my gosh. And then we saw recently, the last, I'd say, year even, people selling at the high. You know, we've had a real peak in real estate prices. And so they bought low and they sold high. So a lot of people really did it right in their IRA, taking advantage of maybe a once in a lifetime opportunity. When real estate values were low, I don't think we're going to see that again. I just don't think that. But people bought low and sold high. So when you find a situation like that or you find a distress issue where someone's willing to discount an asset really below its value for urgency or they – because a lot of times people have – like, why, why would you sell a perfectly good house like this? And then they tell you they're getting divorced or they have to move or they have some urgency. And you might find a real deal and be able to get a below market uh, price on an asset like real estate. I was quoting Pete Fortunato there. I'll give him, give him credit. I, uh, yeah, that's and if you hit those those time periods, that's amazing. That's the the perfect route yeah. uh, for for this. In terms of, um, so we talked briefly about um, fin the financing piece, the non recourse loan piece. Where do people find those kind of um, loan products? We have a list that we are happy to share. It's not that we necessarily endorse them, but it's it's just as a convenience, and we'll share that with anybody that emails us info at udirectira.com. We'll share that list with you. And then you can check them out, speak to them, tell them what you're looking to do, find out their underwriting guidelines and see if that, if that works for you. Yeah. And one of, one of the things I found really interesting is that educational piece of like figuring out how money works. So figuring out how, if I wanted to go down that route, buy a, uh, buy a property, and go through non-recourse loans. Is it quite the right time for me? Probably not, actually. Um, and and kind of thinking about how that works. But then the velocity of the returns of money. So like, oh, is my money working hard enough? Is it sat somewhere and not kind of doing anything? If I'm getting a good return, but I can't buy anything else, what do I do with that money? So it becomes a bit of a game, I guess. It does. And I think um, that's why, we, why these investment clubs are so popular, because you can meet uh, you know in person now and... And talk to other people. What are they doing? Someone's, you know, you meet someone, then they're succeeding. How did they do it? And if they did it, you could do it. And so you learn uh, from the way others are doing it. And there are just so many different techniques. So one of the things you did you did touch upon was the partnership piece. Um, is that partnership with another uh, IRA, or is it any kind of partnership, or what does that look like? It could be, yeah. You, you it could be another IRA. It could be someone else's. Private cash. Now, we didn't cover disallowed people. You're not allowed to invest with your ascendants and descendants, parents, grandparents, yourself, your spouse, children and grandchildren, but an exception. You can actually partner with a disallowed person. So you could partner with, say, for example, your spouse, both of your IRAs in a deal, as long as you closed and recorded concurrently. And that's an exception. So you can partner even with disallowed people as long as you close concurrently. And so that has to be through a IRA vehicle. It can't be through kind of private oh, investment. Oh, no, it sure can. No, yeah, it doesn't. But that's just like how you, how you would use an IRA. The IRA requirement is concurrent. But of course, with your private money, there's there's no limit in this in this regard. But uh, but yeah yeah. So you could definitely partner and have maybe two or three people in on a deal. And but when you're doing that, especially with real estate, that's probably when when you want to have a property manager involved, because otherwise mm -hmm. the 
renter would have to make, say if you had four partners in a deal, four checks every time they paid their rent. Better to write one check to the property manager and then let them sort it. Yeah, I'm not sure uh, how that would go down with some tenants. Can you can you cut your rent weekly, maybe? I yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's hard enough to get them to write one check, isn't it? So <laughs> making sure that comes in. Um, in terms of uh, the kind of the, the changes or the future of, of um, specifically self-directed IRAs, but that kind of space, is there kind of legislative change coming in that we're going to kind of this is really going to change things up or not, not too dramatically. I think uh, we, we've had secure act 1.0 come through in 2019. It raised the RMDH required minimum distribution. It had been, it had previously been when you turned 70 and a half the year after you turned 70 and a half, you had to start taking money out of your pre-tax accounts. And there was a, a formula, you know, you look on a grid and you find the factor and multiply the factor times the money that you have in your retirement account. You have to remove that. Secure Act 1.0 raised that age from 70 and a half to 72. And then at the end of 2022, like the very last day of the year, Secure Act 2.0 passed. And as a result, the age is now 73. So now the RMD required minimum distribution age is 73. Secure Act 2.0 said that in the year 2033, in 10 years, that age will go to 75, just sort of reflecting how we are living life. I have a question. Yes. Um, what is the purpose of a maximum, whatever the term was that you just said? Why make anybody pull money out at all? <laughs> well, tax. Bottom line. But it, now, okay, so what about for Roth? Does that have the same issue since these are all pre-taxed, those types of investments? Really good point. So so the Roth, well, I mean, the reason that they want the money is is because the government wants to tax your dollars. But, um, but now I think the, it's more advantageous um, for the government to have us have, you know, take care of our own retirement instead of relying you know, on the, on the collective here. And so what they've actually done also with Secure Act 2.0 is come up with two new types of accounts that are effective this year, but we don't have any guidance on them yet. It's a Roth SEP and a Roth Simple. So I'll explain what that means is that today or, or before the 2.0 passed, if you were going to contribute to a SEP IRA, it would be pre-tax dollars. You would make the contribution and get a tax bill. But now, after they come out with the guidance, <laughs> You can contribute, you'll be able to contribute, say, say a SEP IRA after, you know, um, after you pay your income tax on it, and that can grow tax-free for life. So that's the, the law. It passed, but it's not into effect until the Department of Treasury gives us guidance and prototypes and things like that. We don't have that yet. Gotcha. Um, since we're on the subject of old people, um, so when you become an old person and you die... What's the survivorship look like with these types of these vehicles? Typically, I would assume you want to put into the you know, family trust because you can put most of your investments in there. I don't know if that's the case across the board, but um, if this person hits the age of 73 and now they're required to take these these disbursements and then they die, and so they have it as a pretty large balance, does that person who inherits have to continue taking those distributions or is this now a new investment vehicle where they can do whatever they want with wow, it? Wow, that's excellent. Yeah, the, yes, the... IRAs are like mini trusts. So when you um, when when you pass away, the IRA is automatically going to go to your beneficiaries. So the IRA will immediately pass on to your beneficiaries. And right when they inherit the IRA they are going to also inherit the need to take the RMDs based on the lifetime of the deceased. But that is that's changed. It could also be based on your lifetime. And really the IRS is now looking for it to happen within a five year time, time window. So you can take a total distribution or you could leave it in there, but they do want you to um, deplete that retirement account. And so that they, so the government collects tax on, on those dollars. Um, but inherited IRAs are great because again, whether it's in a trust or not, that's something you can discuss with your your trust attorney and your CPA. It's not going to go into probate because an IRA is like a mini trust. It, 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 as long as you've named your beneficiaries, it will go directly to the beneficiaries without passing through probate. 
There you go. So, Kyle, your kids are going to have a, a lifetime of partying for five years and then uh, and then that's no. it. They've got to get, get rid of it all. I'm no. just kidding. We are, those, we are those people who are going to sell everything before we die and give it all away and wave at our kids as we, you know, Wow. This, is, this is taking a glib turn. <laughs> <laughs> it was was that dark? That sounded kind of dark, but that's that's not the way. Well, I, I mean, you know, what do you learn if you don't earn it yourself and you don't appreciate it? There you go. Thank there you very go. much. Karen's got go. it. I'll stop investing for my little one. <laughs> don't stop. You're on your own, kid. Um, if I may, can we um, change direction to the the company itself? Um, so it's udirectira.com. What what's the journey look like to to build this company? And uh, you know, we we get your passion for it, and uh, and it's really uh, really interesting and and great to kind of absorb that. What's kind of been the the driver or the the growth or the kind of um, the the story behind that? Okay, it wasn't easy. I'm just gonna say, you know, <laughs> lots of lots lots and lots of challenges, like any entrepreneur, right? But it it just it really started off with needing a way to use all my skills in an ethical way to be able, be able to provide for my family. You know, I'm divorced, I have two kids. And at the time they were still in grade school and junior high school. And how do I afford all the things that they need? So it was more survival is how I started, you know, a lot of, and I bootstrapped this. And I remember getting my, opening my first account in 2009, I had $50 and I'm like, I'm rich. <laughs> because it was, that was, it was a great recession and it was, it was tough. But literally having zero dollars in my bank account at one point, and I just bootstrapped this. Um, and uh, to now we have a billion dollars under management. So that, that's been a, you can imagine there have been, there's been this and that, uh, different trials. Uh, one of the things, uh, the trials I'll share with you is that sometimes the fraudsters are after IRA money. You know, what, what was the, like the famous gangster was asked, why do you rob banks? And he said, because that's where the money is, right? Well, that, uh, where's the money? It's, it's in retirement accounts. So if, if fraudsters can get to it, they want to. And so we had, uh, there was a local fraudster and we had a few accounts involved and those account holders uh, were coming to me saying, what do I do? What do I do? Well, so I'm on the board of directors for our industry, the Retirement Industry Trust Association called RITA. And I was at a conference in DC. So I met the head of enforcement for FINRA. FINRA, that's an acronym and it's the enforcement arm for the Securities Exchange Commission, the SEC. Name's Diane. So I talked to Diane, got this problem. Fraudsters, what do I tell people? How do I tell people, to, you know, what steps can they take to be made whole in this situation to see some justice? So she says, well, have them file a grievance, and here's the link to the form with the California Department of Business Oversight, which is where I live in California. So I did, and then it, these people who were stolen from were, were rightly very, very angry, and they thought maybe I was in cahoots <laughs> with this person, which of course I wasn't. So they turned me into the California Department of Business Oversight, and I got this letter saying that I was acting as a broker-dealer and affecting transactions, which I wasn't, and so I, I called the, the gentleman who wrote the letter, his name was Tim, and I said, hey, Tim, I got your letter, I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't do this, and and, and then he was like treating me like a criminal. And that was weird. And I said, look, I hear what you're saying. I'll fully cooperate. I'm going to retain counsel. We'll get back with you. So long story short, you know, I was able to provide proof that we don't sell assets. We don't take any money for any, any asset. We don't like, we don't get a kickback, for example, from any asset that's sold at all. It's just a very, you know, very solid line between the asset sponsor and you direct. And then I got, then we got audited. So it turned out to be a business audit, turned into a personal audit. So I got investigated and audited over the course of months. And then after the audit was all, after all the dust settled on all these things, then I get a call from the receptionist because I was in an executive suite at the time. She's, uh, yeah, uh, hi, um, Karen, the FBI is here for you and, and they've got a subpoena. <laughs> so, so the poor receptionist thinks I'm being taken away by the FBI or something that I'm doing something. Of course not. Of course not. It would have been so great if you had like a, 
like a rope that hung from your window down right in front of this receptionist window, you know, and you just come shimmying down this thing right about that. Yeah, it's time. weird that my mind doesn't work. Does anybody way. else ever think about practical jokes like that besides me? Because I mean, that's that's brilliant. It sounds like the opportunity. It was you know? missed. <laughs> I was going to say when you've been through all that, that's when you know you want to be in the business. Yeah, exactly. When you've had the FBI knocking on your door. Well, and he was the nicest yeah. guy, you know. And so it's like, hey, come on up to the office. He sits down. What do you want to know? And I tell him, and I said, what do you want to know? And he says, well, I need this and. What he did is he subpoenaed me for records. He needed our records to be able to put away the fraudster. So we cooperated and, and it just created a really nice relationship with that, um, with that agency and that, that we have to this day as far as being uh, very observant. If we see anything that looks like fraud, just to, you know, just say, hey, I think this could be fraud. What do you think? So- and, and ironically, um, when, we, when I reached out to you, one of the things I liked about what you, you know, your online presence and the social media side was the human aspect of it, that you're not a icky trying to be behind the scenes, big corporation of like, we're mega corp self-directed and yeah. blah. And so that's really funny that you said you went through that, that journey. And then there's that kind of heart story to why you, um, you know, why the company and, and why kind of you've been so successful. Well, and, you know, it was, it was like really stressful, but in the end it turned out to be great because if there were, if anybody had any doubts about what we were doing, we were just, it was just like, it's just like taking a shower. We were clean, you know, completely, just completely clean and without any question. So, so it ended up being an extremely good thing. And that's the only way I could get there is by going through this, you know, but I, and, and do I have a shoe collection to rival Lamelda Marcos? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I invest my money. Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah, investing. Um, and that, yeah, that that's kind of the key, right? Is like just just figuring out that investment and having a partner to be by your side to keep you on the legal straight and narrow, or at least the legislative legislative yes. straight and narrow to get that. Yeah, and and that that's why I that's why I'm so proud of being a part of of Rita that that you know the, our industry group because. We meet with legislators. We're going to be doing that later this month in like two, three weeks in Washington, D.C., meeting with them like on, on panels and having them talk to us. Tell us, you know, what are you, what are your views and how can we do our job better? And and the, the enforcement agencies, you know, how can we be more aware of fraud? How can we do a better job for our clients? It's it's super. It's really fun to be have this nice cooperative um, environment. That's excellent. Um, I really want to be mindful of your your time. Um, if you could give us a rundown of how people can start to work with you, get in touch, find out information, that kind of stuff. Uh, we'll happily share any links in the show notes also. The very best way is to go to our website. And that's the letter U, udirectira.com. Um, email us at info at udirectira.com. We're all over social media, as you mentioned. And very accessible. If you email us, you'll, you'll get a response within a couple of hours at the most because we've got staff to take care of it and help you. And so that's what we're here for. Amazing. Karen, thank you so much for your time today. I've, I've learned, le Kyle's learned a ton, right, Kyle? Yeah. I've learned a ton. 90% new to me. So this was great. Great to meet you. Great meeting you guys. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Great. And we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to the Investories Podcast. We all have a story. What's yours? The Investories Podcast.